black ball. Black, black, black ball. up everybody my name is james d fury and this is blackballed i have elon musk internet <laughs> starlink and it uh it appears to be working okay at the moment but any moment now it may it may decide to to not work but we will see how it goes for the duration of the show if you're familiar with the show, you are familiar with the Klondike Papers, and you're familiar with my guest today. I'm not going to do this drawn-out uh, introduction today because you already know who he is. His name is David Wallace. David, how are you, buddy? Not too bad. Can't complain. Yourself? Oh, I'm okay. Um, I wanted to have you on the show tonight because you kind of have an announcement, and um, this is something that you've been talking about for a while, but for all the people like Justin Ling and people like that who thought that the Klondike papers were just a big dossier of conspiracy theories, the QAnon of the left, as Justin Ling would say, give me the update of what is trans, what has transpired and what you have decided to do uh, in the coming days uh, in order to sort of flesh out the important stories that are contained within the Klondike papers. Well, um, you know, I was frustrated in uh, April, May, June when uh, the Klondike papers first came out and individuals such as Justin Ling uh, took their shots. But uh, as we saw through the stories that were printed, uh, cash coming in from Russian sources into Ontario, my interactions with his inner circle, which they admitted to, um, the uh, Nenshi job, um, the Sherman stuff, which will be coming out soon enough. Um, I've gotten my vindication. Um, uh, the fact that the uh, policing agencies were also shown to be complicit in this convoy. Um, so it's been nice. Um, so what I've done, um, I was penning three separate volumes of stories, fixes I was involved in. Um, they're a little delayed. So to uh, um, get these out there, I've decided to take the entire catalog, the Klondike papers. I uh, edited them down by getting rid of uh, duplicate items in them. And of course, it didn't take me very long to flesh out each chapter um, because they were my experiences. So what might be a code book to the majority of Canadians who read them, to me, they were simply uh, uh, snapshots in time to jog my memory. So I was rapidly able to uh, put up sort of a secret spy decoder ring of sorts for everyone to consume the Klondike papers with, and uh, they tell their own stories. And those were sent this morning to the publisher, um, Amazon, uh, and they'll be available via Amazon and uh, uh, big uh, paperback book, and uh, also with the Kindle direct publishing. So they'll be available for digital download. Um, the price point will be very reasonable um, in line with the uh, uh, Kindle direct publishing guidelines. Uh, it's going to be a big file, but it, it should be some 
fun reading. So those will be coming out. I'm hoping that we have the pre-sales uh, uh, the next couple of days and that the link goes up on Amazon and we can get these ordered before Christmas for people. And you've already received, uh, from my understanding, like thousands of messages of people that are interested in this. You're, you're kind of one of those interesting cats. Uh, on Twitter, your following isn't massive, but your engagement is huge. Like you have, you know, more engagement um, per follower, I guess I would say, than anyone I know, you know? Um, well, you know, I got to say, that's kind of like, uh, you ever heard that one sometimes, you know, the uh, the chubby girl at the dance, uh, um, um, nobody wants to admit that they really dig her, but... Um, oh, every rapper alone. wants her though. She's never her. alone. <laughs> she's not alone, that's right. Rapper's well, delight. <laughs> that song was really about chubby girls. I don't know. I don't know about you. Cheers to chubby girls. Cheers to chubby girls. Um, now we're going to do a show on the Shermans um, coming up in, in a few days without tipping the whole cow over. So it lands on everybody's idea of what sanity is. Can you in a very kind of ambiguous terms, sort of give us a sort of sneak preview. Uh, we're going to have Nathan Jacobson back on. Uh, we're going to have you. We're going to talk about the Sherman murders. Now, the Sherman murders um, are, are like, is like this famous case in Toronto where, um, why do I forget Mr. Sherman's name? I always remember Honey. Barry, but I was, Barry and Honey Sherman were both murdered um, at, their, at their residence. Uh, and it was and remains a mystery as to who did it. And there are rewards now that are, um, what is it, $25 million reward for information leading to the arrest of whoever committed this crime. Give me, and, and don't do the David Wallace thing where you like spray us all with a fire hose and expect us not to get wet. Can you, can you, can you give us a very legal explanation to the Sherman murders? Uh, yeah. I mean, I uh, uh, became involved um, in the investigation um, through a uh, telephone call with Tom Clad, who headed up the private uh, investigation team at the time for Jonathan Sherman, the Sherman family. He was employed by uh, Brian Greenspan. Um, and uh, I had made Mr. Clad's uh, acquaintance when he was working uh, as uh, the investigator on uh, the lawsuit, he was retained very briefly by the law firm that was financing Patrick Brown's uh, uh, lawsuit against CTV. We had made our acquaintance during that investigation and uh, um, I kept in touch with Tom and, and uh, I reached out to him when I discovered that Appletex expired medication was being sold on the black market uh, in Eastern Europe. And uh, I thought that perhaps that might have uh, some value to his investigation. And from there, I uh, did my thing and became involved. And uh, it was a little bit crazy, which is uh, why Nathan will probably be on the next show to explain his part in it. Okay. Good job, by the way. There was no Cheers. fire hose at all. I didn't get wet one second. I was like a, um, a stood up hooker. That's how little wetness I felt in that explanation. Okay, so um, 
we have the Nenshi story inside the Klondike papers. We have the Richard kidnapping inside the Klondike papers. What other stories that um, the public may not know about do you think is going to be in the public interest when it is released in book form on Amazon? Uh, how about that time that I tried to open up a bank in uh, Turks and Tecos and I told the RCMP about it so I could wash all the criminals' money? Wow. And which criminals, allegedly? were, were these? Alleged criminals. Sorry, I consider them good businessmen. But, um, you know, anybody I was doing business with in Europe, arms dealers, uh, 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 smugglers, whoever. I figured if the RCMP would finance it, for me and allow me to buy the bank charter um, that it would have been very handy for them as well. So, I mean, everybody would have won. That's what I thought, but it didn't, it didn't, uh, I didn't get to own a bank. Um, uh, if I may pivot for a second here, <clears throat> away from whatever that was, it's <laughs> a little bit too, too dark. Um, and I have no information. So um, I have a P gate update. Um, Mike Torigno has emailed me three times today. Um, I'm sure telling you Mike to call Trigno? him. Yeah, well, the guy, a guy claiming to be Mike Trigno. Um, he's called me three times today. Uh, sorry, he's he's emailed me three times today telling me to call him. So I thought I'd call him on the show. So I'm going to call him right now and see if he's going to answer. He probably won't answer. It'll probably go to his uh, answer machine right away. And I'll leave a message because I'm courteous like that. So let's go see. <clears throat> Leave a message. Yeah. After leaving a message, you can hang up or press pound for more options. Hi, this is a message for Mike Tarigno. This is James DeFiori calling from the podcast Black Bolt. I'd just like to know if um, if you've pissed on anything lately um, other than your reputation and children's toys. You can give me a call back. I'm going to give out my number on the air here, 416-806-7855. Call me anytime. You can come on the show. We'd love to have you. Thanks, brother. But okay, <clears throat> Mike Torigno owns a restaurant. It doesn't seem to care that he um, has admitted <coughs> to peeing. Yeah, doesn't he? Doesn't seem to care that he's admitted to peeing on uh, on your stuff. Um, and was recently another development in Pgate is that he was identified by name by your landlady. Um, who, I guess he was impersonating a carpet a carpet cleaner. Is that right? That's what I'm here. No, that's what she said in her email. Um, I thank her. We thank her. My legal team thanks her a great deal, too. And uh, I thank Mr. Terigno if it's if it's uh, true, because I could certainly I could certainly uh, use the finances I get from your restaurant when I win it in a civil suit and and, uh, you know, basically finance some good odor eaters. I can think I can still smell his piss on some of the boxes. Oh, fuck. Yeah, um, he's a real class act, that guy, you know. Oh, top uh, of the pops. And, and he's he's also a guy who you can tell that Alberta doesn't have any anti slap legislation. For those who don't know, uh, Ontario has anti slap legislation, it's basically, um, you know, in lay terms, it prevents people from suing as a way to, to sort of uh break someone down financially, like. Like, um, you know, you can't in Ontario, you can no longer sue with the with the stated purpose of trying to make the other guy go broke. Right. It's what rich people used to do all the time to people that didn't have any money. 
you know, they would sue or counter sue and they would just drag shit out until that person could no longer afford legal fees anymore. And, and they would, they would let go of their lawsuit. Alberta. And I know everyone's going to be shocked when I say this, Alberta doesn't have any anti-slap legislation apparently in Alberta. And this is shocking. Rich people can just sue the fuck out of you and make you go broke. And it's all good which is super surprising given the stellar lawyers and justice ministers that have walked the halls, the hallowed halls, if you will, of um, the Alberta legislator and, and the justice system inside Alberta. Um, Mike Tarigno has said several times in emails, not just to me, but to other people, that he, quote, sues for sport. He sues people for sport. And Alberta is fine with that. Their justice system seems to be okay with that because, hey, if the law it wasn't um, created for something and if, the, and if the justice system wasn't created for one thing, it must have been created for rich people to sue for sport so that they could make people that don't have a lot of means go broke. Isn't that right? Seems so. Seems so. He's a genius, isn't he? I swear to God, there, there's so many people in that province that um, seem to have graduated grade eight and plateaued. <laughs> that was it. Plateaued, um, yep, and faded from there. They're, uh, wow. It's not much of a bar in Alberta, is it? No, it's not. Uh, that uh, That is a double entendre um, mm-hmm. because the bar is quite low uh, in Alberta. Uh, funny enough, though, um, I guess ironically, uh, Mike Tarigno was, was – did he ever have his his license to practice law and it was taken away or did he not quite get it? I'm, I'm not sure. I have no idea. The, from what I've, I've gathered, he'd uh, done everything that he could do. And then uh, apparently he had some kind of altercation, which uh, prevented him from legally uh, uh, being, but I could be wrong. I, I don't know. I, or he could be just a fucking idiot. Well, he's definitely that. Yeah, I mean, like, like, let me see the last the last email story. that I got from him um, was just before going on air. And he's it was actually this one was from Maurizio. He's like, I want to go on your shoe. I guess he meant show. Um, <laughs> maybe he wants to go on my shoe. Maybe he wants to piss on my shoe. Maybe that's what he's saying. But he wants to go on my show shoe uh, to talk about piss. And then he asked me why I haven't called him, even though I've called him three times. So. You know, I, is I he writing a review for his restaurant, or is he wanting to talk about it with you? I mean, that's—I I don't know. Just saying. I mean, it, it's, he wants to it's, talk it's, about it's, piss. I've never seen a guy so so enamored with his own urine, you know, like this. And the fact that I asked him um, not too long ago, um, "Are you a little worried about, you know, the fact that you're?" a restaurant tour and you're now known for peeing on children's toys, you know, food and urine. Don't, don't you think maybe, and he's like, no, nah, no, nah, James, I, th- I think the public's going to be on my side. <laughs> imagine, imagine being interviewed. You remember those guy in the street interviews and uh, you remember, you know, uh, uh, sir, can you, can you tell me what you do? Oh, well, I'm a restaurant tour. And what are your hobbies? I like to pee on children's toys. Come to my restaurant. I, I don't. I don't really see that happening. Um, okay, back back to the Klondike papers. Um, 
tell me how you uh, formatted it uh, because I know you didn't just take the dossier as it is and just and just uh, hand it over to Amazon and say publish it. What, what what kind of improvements did you make? Like tell tell us because the people that have seen the Klondike papers are like. This fucking fucking Klondike papers are just so confusing. They're really confusing. So how did you sort of remedy that situation? Well, it was rather easy. I mean, for me, those were just snapshots in time. Anything that I might have saved weren't for a permanent record. They were simply to uh, refresh my memory um, if I needed it for certain points. Um, so it was all shorthand, mental shorthand. As soon as I saw a page, I knew exactly what it pertained to so I could set it aside. And I just went through them all at one time and divided them all into piles, case by case. Where there was a case of overflow, I created the legend, which is in the book, which uh, explains everybody who they are and what cases they were involved in. And it was really quite simple. So, I mean, it, it took me about uh, 12 hours to go through the first half of it, put it in order, and then uh, another 20 hours put the second half in order. Okay. Um, I'm also going to just uh, give me one second here. I'm going to, in the comments here, I'm going to put, um, as soon as it lets me, oh yeah. I'm going to put the uh, the GoFundMe for your legal defense because oh, yeah. um, I think it's important. Um, guys, look, like, you know, David became a whistleblower and then his life got um, summarily dismantled by the very people that he blew the whistle on. Um, you know, he's, he got evicted from his home. As mentioned, um, a reputable restaurateur in, uh, in Calgary um, peed on his children's toys. He, he, the, the, his, um, your, your stillborn child's ashes were, are missing. Um, you know, they, that never came back, which is probably one of the most atrocious things I can think of somebody doing. Was it in like a little urn? Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and you know, he had to, he had to move. He's had, uh, people tailing him. Uh, you know, he's, uh, they still owe me several hundred thousand dollars. Right. Um, and, uh, I'm going to go on a limb and say that you're probably not going to see that money. Um, Someone's wondering. Oh, okay. Well, hold on. Nancy Curry. Nancy Curry is asking me just as just a little um, pause in the, in the questions here for a second. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Nancy Curry is wondering if I've apologized to Tammy Robert yet. Um, no. Um, I asked her uh, in sort of a joking way if if she fell in love with Jeremy McKenzie, and apparently um, every do-gooder um, 
who, uh, who, who I guess, uh, I don't want to say, I don't want to use the word woke anymore because apparently uh, I'm not allowed to make fun of that. Um, you know, because people think that being woke is, is, is good. I, I, I prefer the bastardized version of woke where it's like, Oh my God, you criticized a female. How dare you, sir? That kind of woke. I'm not down with. I'm never going to apologize to Tammy Robert. Uh, I don't owe her an apology. Um, she can take a joke and if she can't, that's not really my problem. So there goes, that's, that's the answer to your question. So Tammy will be fine as our friend saucy sea, witch likes to, uh, you know, uh, just pointed out. Um, so I'm never going to apologize to her now, but, um, getting back to your thing, the GoFundMe thing, the reason why I'm promoting it normally, normally I wouldn't promote a GoFundMe for a guest that I have, but you and I are more than just like podcast hosts and guests. Now we're about to co-host your podcast called the fix um we are going to um you know dude that show is going to be so dope what we are doing with that show like and the way that we've developed it i'm kind of glad it's taken a little bit longer to sort of get off the ground because um the type of things that we're going to bring you um uh, you know aren't just the things that we have to put allegedly in front of we're going to like take it to a whole other level where when we see political scandals we're going to speculate as to what has been done, who did it possibly, and what you would do if you were advising that person or a person on the other side of the aisle. Um, can you give us, a, give us a little bit of a breakdown of what your thoughts are and how that show is going to look? I think it's going to be a, a case of street proofing yourself on a political sense. Uh, it's going to be going behind the scenes. When you see a magician doing a street hustle, a three-card Monty or uh, you name it, any other sleight of hand, we're going to show you the mechanics, how it takes place, the setup, and the result. And we're going to show people how to spot it and how to call bullshit on it. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be interesting. A lot of people aren't going to like us, but when the spin is in, we're going to point out who's doing the stirring of the pot. And we still have to narrow down a date, but can I announce who our first guest is likely to be? Yes, you may announce who our first guest is likely to be. If anyone remembers Mike Tyson, he's not the guest, but, but if anyone remembers Mike Tyson, you'll have to remember Don King. Don King is like, only in America. You know, that guy with the gray hair that was all spiky and stuff and uh, gold chains, big ass smile. Um, how do you know Don King? I met Don King through uh, Larry Holmes, um, former heavyweight champion. I had met Larry uh, through my friendship with Vinnie Paz, uh, Vinnie Pazienza, and uh, he introduced me to uh, Mr. King. And if anybody knows uh, political flim-flammery and uh, 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 tricks, it's Mr. Don King. He's been uh, sued and pursued by the Justice Department, the uh, the IRS, uh, um, boxing commissions and uh, Mr. King is still standing tall in his nineties now, but uh, a titan of the industry and uh, certainly somebody who I think can, we can all learn uh, a few tricks of the trade from Mr. Don King. Also, I did reach out to Vinny uh, Pazienza today to wish him a happy birthday. It's Vinny Pazienza's birthday today. Absolutely. Yeah. Did you, talk, did, you have a chance, did you have a chance to talk to him? Uh, not as yet today, but uh, I usually don't try to call Vinny until after midnight. That's usually when he's up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he seems like one of the like greatest guys to just to hang out with and chill with. Oh, he's, he's bananas. He's off the wall fun. Did you ever watch any of his fights live? 
Oh yeah, it's, uh, it's in fact, uh, I met Vinny in 1991. Um, I was in Barrie, Ontario. Um, I was back from a job and he was having a title fight. He had just broke his neck and they put the halo on him. They did a movie of his life called Bleed for This. So he had the halo on, but he, then he came back and he was, uh, actually this was just before he broke his neck. He was fighting for the junior middleweight title and um, it was in Providence, Rhode Island. I'd just come back from a long job. My girlfriend, I said, let's go see the fight. And she was not, she had a family thing and uh, forbid me to go for the fight. So, and I missed her too, but I, it was a great fight. I went to Rhode Island and it was fantastic. And, uh, you know, it, I was glad that I ditched her because the fight was great. And I went to a little water and hole after and Vinny and his team came in and about half of Providence and, and uh, ended the night drinking Jack Daniels on the bar. It was yeah. wild guy. So uh, knowing him since then, and uh, he's a good guy. So this is the show. This is the this is the fix. This is where um, where we're like David said, we're gonna we're gonna give away the magician tricks. So imagine uh, imagine Dave, uh, imagine what's uh, David Blaine? That is that's his name, right? Yeah, David Blaine. David Blaine. I think it is. Is it David Blaine? Anyways, Blaine, uh, Copperfield, whoever. Um, imagine them floating above the, you know, the cityscape in London or something and uh, and just disappearing from a glass box. And then imagine the next day, one of us jokers goes on there. It's like, this is exactly how Copperfield did it. or This is exactly how Blaine did it. And just giving away the magician. This is what I love so much about it because... You know, we're going to be able to um, we might even be able to get to a point where we might even be able to kind of predict what um, what a politician may do next or a leadership race. You know, who's going to drop out? Why are they going to drop out? If we find out they dropped out because of family reasons, maybe we'll be able to find out what those real reasons are. Like there was a rumor and this is just a rumor that Pierre Polyev dropped out of the previous leadership race that was won by Aaron O'Toole. Um, allegedly, and this is a rumor, I don't know if it's true, allegedly, 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 because of an infidelity that may or may not have taken place with a certain person that took care of his kids. Did you hear about that one? I certainly did. Did you start allegedly. that one? No, no, <laughs> I, I didn't. Always, I always have to ask you that one. No, I didn't. Um, you know, and uh, whenever you hear that, by the way, people know whether or not they want to be in a leadership race before they get into it. If they throw their hat in the ring and then two weeks later are like, you know, I just, I just have a lot of family commitments and I just don't, you know, I don't want to put my family through leadership race and leader of that. It just seems so stressful for my family and I want to spend more time with my family. Yeah, they're covering for something else. Mm -hmm. they, they are certainly covering for something, something else. Also, um, another neat rumor about Pierre Polyev, uh, Millhouse, is that um, he apparently dated Jenny Byrne in college. Did you hear about that one? Yeah, yeah, it's quite true. He did indeed. Yeah. How fucked up is that? Wow. Wow. <laughs> you know, I mean, like uh, Jenny Byrne has been a, a cutout for forever. She's, uh, she's, she's good at what she does, though. She, she, she's the best, really, isn't she? She is like, the best. There's nobody better. I mean, she is, uh, she is, she is top shelf. It's uh, <laughs> always surprised me that she never took her own run for the leadership. But what are you going to oh, do? The skeletons in her closet must be just rattling, though. Like, yeah, well, she can keep them in there, though, can't she? 
Apparently. But I don't, does it matter? Okay, let me ask you this. Does it, first of all, has anyone ever looked for skeletons in the campaign manager's closet? And second of all, would it matter if someone found out that a campaign manager had affairs or did something untoward or whatever? Would that even matter, you think? It depends on who the uh, campaign manager is. Some people take their marriages quite seriously. And um, sometimes you can use those campaign managers as inside people. You can get them to make the candidate take steps that they don't want to take if you can get your hooks in them. Yeah. Um, it's an we, might not make, we might not make elephants disappear on this one. Okay. We're not going to be like Copperfield, but people like the Trigno. Yeah. You never know. They could just I disappear. I don't know. If, well, if he disappears, it wasn't us. Okay. It was David Copperfield. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he ate some of his own food. I could just, I just got another email from him. There you Hold go. on. Let me just see what this one says. Okay. Um, no. Really? He, he, do you like piss? I'd like to piss on your show. Like this guy is fucking. Look, weird. I mean, here's let's 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 be bottom line. We don't know if it's him or 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 the other one, uh, Muggio or whatever the hell his name is. We don't know if it's Jonathan Dennis stroking himself, uh, sitting behind a keyboard. I don't know, but you know, guys, are we going to grow up? I mean, can can we be men? I know we can't in your case because you're not men. And you never will be. I mean, it's just a fact. But don't you get tired of being cowards? I mean, being yellow they do. can't be fun. I think they just giggle, you know? I think they just like, he. No, they know they're cowards to themselves inside. They know that they have no guts. They know they yeah. have no They know they're, oh. they're pigs. <clears throat> Hold on. Let, let me just interject here for a second. We have another person running to the defense of Tammy Robert, someone named Nucky. Um Great show, by the way, uh, Boardwalk Empire. I love that show, if that's what you're named after. I didn't agree with how harsh the chat was to Tammy previously, but that's just one person's opinion. Yeah, it is. And it's a shitty opinion. Um, okay, so I want to get back to, to I want to know if we're going to be, if you think we're going to be able to get other political fixers on the show. I would hope we can. I, I would love to get someone such as... Uh... Warren Kinsella on. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> Look, the guy's a legendary figure. Look at the achievements. I mean, to tell you the truth, Warren Kinsella redefined the role of the, uh, I wouldn't just say fixer, I would say overall strategist. The, you want to talk about dark arts. I mean, he pioneered them in many cases. This man is, uh, uh, although we don't see eye to eye on many things, he's legendary in Canadian politics, as he should be. And there are certainly others. Um, um, we can also point out some very butchered campaigns with people who were overrated, uh, such as the clown who just did a Brampton campaign, spent a lot of other people's money and didn't realize he couldn't have blown Patrick Brown out of that place with dynamite. I mean, uh, misplayed your hand badly, real bad. Now, just see if he wants to come on the show. <clears throat> Hit the link if you want to come on. Who? Warren. Oh, hey, man. He's the best. Can't say he yeah, wasn't. He is. Um, <clears throat> he yeah, plays Warren in a band, so he can't be so bad, huh? 
I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't mind Warren Kinsella. I, I mean, him and I used to really not like each other. Um, he, uh, you know, I, I don't want to even trudge up the past. <clears throat> you know, we just didn't like each other. Um, and we had a lot of bad things to say. I think he called me like a, a midget Hitler <laughs> or something like that, which, I mean, I don't know how more offensive one can be, but I, I laughed. <clears throat> he, uh, he posted something on his blog that was like, and now for a post as short as James is. And I thought that was funny. And then it was just like, he hates women. He's a racist. He's this, he's that. And I'm like, none of it is true. Um, and then he said that I got paid um, uh, by Patrick Brown to, to write nice things about him. And I'm like, that's not true. No, um, you didn't. No, I didn't. I know. Who I know people who got paid. I made sure they did. I know. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> you weren't so on the list. Sorry, That's what's so funny about being friends with you now is just like, you know, like he did so many shitty things. <laughs> he really did. Like triple cross, the double cross, and then quadruple cross that guy. And then like, you know, just making everybody spin like a fucking dreidel. And then uh, we all start banging into each other. And then, you know, the last one to stay spinning is, you know, the guy that gets fucked the least. I don't know. Like, was there a method to that madness? Do you freestyle oh, that? Or do you like plan it all out? Or do you kind of have to like, um, you know, fly by the seat of your pants sometimes? You start from the end. You you have your destination. You know exactly where you're going and you deconstruct and work backwards down to the very first day. Mm -hmm. And you have yeah. to have variables that you have to roll with depending on personality that you're involved with, right? Yeah, I guess so. Um, how do you turn that switch off? Like, other than blowing the whistle. Like, I mean, like, you've blown the whistle. Like, you lived like that for so long. Is it hard to break certain habits? Oh, yeah. It's impossible. I mean... Um, like, are you working me right now? Have you been working me since June? No, I mean, um, it's 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 kind of hard to... I mean, people see me coming from a mile away, so my career that is glorious a hair. fixer. Yeah. Yeah. The hair came Maybe. about as an accident. I just... Uh, COVID Maybe hit. it's Maybelline. That's all I'm saying. There you no go. Problem. Actually, is that even shampoo? I don't even know. I, I, um, don't know. I use whatever the dollar store sells. <laughs> um, I'm not responsible uh, for comments made by the chat. It's true. I'm not. It's true. I'm not. Um, and then uh, Nucky says, oh, no, Seawitch says, Nucky's all good, James. Don't be flippy. Nah, I'll be flippy if I want to be flippy. Um, I don't like to answer to anyone. I don't know if you've noticed that about me. It's what I have in common with Dean. Sometimes I have to, when I, when I, sometimes when I talk to Dean, I have to remember that the phrasing of whatever I'm going to ask him has to sound like a request and not a, I think you might want to do this. Because if I say anything to Dean where it's like, you might want to try that. No, <laughs> he's not going to do it. And he fully admits it on air most of the time that he's just like, I don't, I don't like to be told what to do. He starts his show late because he doesn't want to feel like, I guess, the earth and the sun will tell him when to start podcasts at three o'clock or four o'clock. It's probably a blowback from all the years on radio where he had to be on cue all the time. Right. I guess so. I'm not really sure where, where it comes from. I mean, I have since I was like, I don't know, three, a problem with authority. Right? Like I just, I, I was never, I, I don't Okay. Here's the story. And, and it served me well sometimes, but it's also obviously completely fucked me career-wise and financially, uh, I would probably say. But when I was in grade 
10. Um, I had to go to summer school, which is a surprise to nobody. And I lit I literally convinced my, uh, my summer school teacher that I, I had this thing that beeped. I don't remember what it was. You know what it might've been? It might've been one of those, like, do you remember those things that, um, just before the internet really became a thing, the Blue Jays had this thing that it would like, you carry it in your pocket and it would update you on the score of a game. Hmm. Yeah. It was just that. Yeah. yeah, And it just beeped or whatever. It was something like that. I don't know if it was that or not, but it was something like that. Um, And then there was this smoking cessation device called life sign (laughs) and life sign would tell you when you're, when you smoke. Okay. So like you, you would, you would, uh, I think you would program, um, for two or three days, you would program how often you'd smoke by every time you smoke, you, you press a button. And then after that, it would tell you when to smoke. Cause sometimes it would tell you to smoke, I guess, when you didn't want to or whatever. Anyway. So I told my, my summer school teacher that I had one of these devices and I would make it beep. And I shit you not, I convinced her to let me sit beside the open window and smoke during class inside the classroom whenever that thing went off to help me in my quest to stop smoking. That's brilliant. That's how much of a problem I have with authority. I didn't just want to not listen to them. I wanted to make them dance. (laughs) People that had authority over me. I I just wanted to make them dance. Um. I don't know how I got off on that tangent, but oh yeah, the the opposition to authority thing. So so how do you so if you're dealing with like a, a phone company or something, do you work them? Like like when do you turn it on and when do you turn it off now that you're a whistleblower? Well, now it's kind of different. I mean, because my wife uh, uh, wasn't aware of what I did for a living, so I mean, I just me. It's uh, um, well, I'll give you an example. If I was doing a, a job somewhere maybe that person uh maybe that person smokes maybe that person or doesn't smoke um maybe they uh they like tennis uh, depending on whatever crowd i have to fit into a racquetball so while i'm living that life on that job then i'm a non-smoker who plays racquetball and i don't think to do anything else because i have to become that person because if i don't believe it how are the people that I'm trying to um, work or get involved with? How are they going to believe? That's, so that's it. So I feel like I could have been a fixer. Sure, my life went in a different direction. You know, I never got. I never start. I didn't start out in fixing. I mean, it was more. Um, you were like Henry Hill from Goodfellas. They used to like send you to do jobs and stuff, right? Like they, you know, the, your your first job. You've told this story before. Was you had to deliver an envelope of cash to a, a famous Canadian politician somewhere in New York state, give them the money and drive right back. That's it. That and, was and, it. No questions asked. So it was, um, you know, it's uh, just little things. You don't even know that you're, you're working with people. I mean, you, you don't even know what to call it because you, you don't know. I mean, literally you have no clue. It's not like they're giving you a big picture of anything. It's like, hmm. go here, do this, go there, listen to this. It's um, You get in by degrees, and by the time you figure out what you're doing, that's when they kick you out on your ass, and you got to go out and get your own work Yeah, because you're ready. <clears throat> um, okay, we're going to wrap up soon. I have another podcast at, uh, at 9 o'clock. I'm told there'll be a midget on that podcast. That's cool. Um, yeah, you want to pop in, you're welcome to. Um, what I'm going to do is, after I get off with you, 
I'm going to um, roll a very large joint, which is out of character for me. Normally, I just roll these little pinners. But um, it's Casual Fridays, um, and that's the name of the podcast for Friday uh, at 9 p.m. And, and um, so this is, this is Sober James. Hi, everybody. I'm Sober James. And then um, at 9 o'clock, you're going to see something that resembles this. Welcome to Blackwell, everybody. And dude, you, you, you're having a, a little person on. So, I mean, you know, we're, we're getting, I'm getting a strong Springer vibe. Yeah, no, it's going to be dope. Um, I want, I, well, I want to talk about, I want to see if we can do this thing where we talk about serious subjects, but Ryan's going to be drunk and I'm going to be stoned and, and just try to see how it goes. They had a conversation on the Dean Blundell show, I think it was last week, where they were talking about woke stuff. Um, and, and it appeared to me that um, it, that there was only two camps. It was either you're uh, an anti-woke, you know, far right winger, or you're a person who understands that, um, you know, it's good not to hate people. But I'm like, no, 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 no. Those aren't the two definitions of woke. There, there are other definitions. And um, one of them is that there is a caricature of certain people out there that, that, um, that that are literally like 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 the example I gave earlier, where it's just like, I feel that that person, that woman who um, said this, is incorrect, and someone would be like, "Dude, dude, 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 you can't talk about women like that." And it's just like, I just criticize an individual. That's the kind of shit I'm talking about. That 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 like for like like no matter what, it's just you just have to like always have your kind of woke radar on and anytime a protected class might be criticized you you start lecturing and wagging your finger that's the kind of woke shit i'm not really into so um you know it's inevitable what happened though if you look at it we as a society were so repressive we were so racist we were so phobic on every level homophobic uh, uh any phobic you could think of women were treated like objects that had to stay in the corner it's like a market correction. When a market yeah. corrects itself, it, it goes to the other end of the spectrum. These people, all of us who, who, who may think that, hey, don't be so stiff on people. Don't say that or you're racist or you're being. It comes from a place of, look, shit was way out of line before. But what we need to do is find our equilibrium. That's what we need. And that's yeah. the way I look at it. So you got to ride I- out the wave. I hate the sacred cow shit though. Like the sacred cow stuff, like um, just for example, and I know everyone's going to be like, Oh fuck James, here we go again. Um, Gender theory. Yeah. I'm not really a fan. Like, I I mean the, the idea of like dozens and dozens of genders, I fundamentally think is bullshit. I do. I just do. I I think that there's uh, two genders. I think transgender people exist. But as that's as far as I go, I, I'm not, you know, the gender fluidity, eh, fuck off. Like, I, I'm just, I, I, you know, I, it, it's too cute or something. Like, it's a, I don't think anyone wakes up on Wednesday feeling like a man and then wakes up on Friday and feels like a woman. And then we have to build rights around that identity. I don't think so. Like, you know, All and that doesn't make me transphobic. That. that just makes me a person who doesn't believe in something, which, by the way, still a theory. Which means it could be wrong. All it's I can tell like, you is, though, James, is yeah, go is, ahead. is me personally. I live in a in a glass house 
on, on a beach built on stilts. So I don't throw rocks at, at nobody. So I live in a plexiglass. I don't judge house. anybody. I live I mean, in a plexiglass yeah. house. I'll throw rocks as often as I want. And sometimes, in fairness, that rock will ricochet off something, hit me right in the forehead, and I learn a lesson. But I don't think you can be a man one day and a woman the next because I think that's way too cute. I just that's just the way I am. But um, listen, I'll send you the link to the to the nine o'clock podcast if you feel like popping in. Pop in at like nine thirty, quarter to ten, or something like that, and uh, and we'll have fun. Um, you'll see me. Um, am I allowed to say we smoke the trees to look like Vietnamese people because that's a rap lyric and I'm not trying to be racist, but I am going to be a little bit like this because it's going to be really, it's really good weed. By the way. Um, so yeah. So David Wallace, um, <clears throat> of the upcoming podcast known as the fix, which I will be a co-host and David will be the star and I just will like keep things moving or whatever. Thank you for joining us again. The Klondike papers, um will be published on amazon sometime in the next week i am oh that's not right <laughs> i just gave the uh the this the the link for the re restream um i was guys help out if you can in the legal defense fund uh we're facing some real wealthy people who uh as you hear is super sport um besides pissing on things um yes. and we're going oh to God. need all the help we can get if you can support that would be great. Um, we can hire a legal defense team that uh, um, can can see that we we defend ourselves and go after these people as well. And uh, thank you very much. And hopefully, I'll see you in the midget in a little bit. Yeah, and, uh, uh, little person. The little person. Sorry, little That's person. A midget. A midget. I, I, I just, uh, there you go. I'm not that tall either. Apparently, they're going to change. Maybe they already did. Like the the you know, there's different leagues. Like there's Tyke bantam like for sports apparently they're going to change midget apparently that is uh, named um in uh, politically incorrectly i guess and and they're going to change it's little the, people uh, right is that how it goes well little i'm talking people? about the, like baseball and hockey where they have the midget league it's yeah they can't call it that no more i don't think so i think that is uh considered bad now it's just like the master bedroom they had to change that apparently because apparently because uh, people were associating with master and slave. It's actually not that Sears catalog made it up. Hmm. That's really like, like it's like saying master Johnson, do you need anything else for the evening? It's like, no Jeeves, you can retire for the night. You know, like it, it's not about master and slave Sears literally made it up, but you can't say that. Either. I don't know. Everything's yeah, fucking stupid. Okay. Um, David Wallace, thank you, buddy. Uh, we'll see Hell you uh, probably in an hour when uh, I will be completely fucked up. Okay. Cheers. Thanks, Cheers. Okay, guys. Um, I have just enough time <laughs> to roll that joint, change some of the assets, and uh, we'll be back in about 20 minutes. Um, so we'll see you that time on Black Ball. Thanks, guys. Black Ball. Black, black, black Ball.
I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Do, did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.